Welcome to Real Life. Hi, I'm Jim Miller, and you're listening to the Real Life LA podcast, coming to you from the Southern California foothills town of Glendora, California. We're a church for everyone, and we exist to lead lost people to Jesus, building a community of grace with a God-sized vision that reaches from generation to generation. As you hear today's message, we pray that God speaks specifically to you, opens your heart, and shows you how to live each day with more joy, beauty, and wonder. Life Church. It's Pastor Jim. It's good to be with you again. We are in our second of a series. This is second or third. What are we in now? Second, second of a series uh, of studies on Sunday morning talking about uh, living a strong life. It's called We Are Strong. Uh, and as we come out of a, uh, a very tiring and exhausting year of our lives, it's time to look forward to what God's going to do in our lives in the days to come. God has made us to be a strong people, uh, to be a strong species. Uh, and when we enter into a relationship with him uh, and live life on his terms, we can find out what it means to be strong in him. So we're going through five studies uh, in living a strong life, uh, looking at various uh, keys to strong living that the scriptures uh, offer us. So, uh, so last week uh, we looked at um, what it meant to focus on the, the, the kingdom of God, focus on uh, essentially on the positive, focus on good things. Because the Apostle Paul tells us in Philippians 4, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, focus on these things, think on these things. Uh, and, uh, and so we started doing that together. Uh, thank you to all of you who posted things on social media and hashtagged RLLA and told me what you were thankful for. I enjoyed uh, seeing those this week. Uh, and uh, yeah, good for us to do that together. Let's take a minute, let's pray together, and then we'll get into our study of God's Word. Father, I thank you that you love us and that you call us out of brokenness and into new life. You call us out of sin and into righteousness. You call us out of death and into life. You call us out of darkness and into light. So right now, uh, in whatever, uh, whatever brokenness we live in, uh, call us to the life that you mean for us. Uh, call us out of fear and into confidence. Call us out of worry and into peace. May your peace rule in our hearts. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Uh, I was at the grocery store uh, this last week, uh, and I noticed a person at the grocery store uh, who was a, uh, a, a Doppler effect for negativity. You know what a Doppler effect is? It's like when you hear a car coming, and it gets louder as it approaches, and it gets quieter as it fades off in the distance. Is Right, that's the Doppler effect is a description of how the sound waves work. Um, I, I ran into someone in the grocery store, didn't run into her, I avoided her, uh, who was a Doppler effect for negative t- negativity. She was walking around the grocery store complaining in a speaking voice loud enough for everyone to hear it, but not talking to anyone in particular. She was walking around talking about everything that was wrong in her life out loud in the grocery store, which made us all kind of part the seas and let her go by. But you could hear it, she goes, can't find the toilet paper, price of milk gone up, I'm already paying more for gas, I can't find the cheese, I don't know. And she just faded off in the background. I felt so bad for the grocery store clerk whose line she got in. because She was just going to be a string of, of negative comments, negative observations uh, that day. That was just how, uh, how she woke up that morning, I guess. Well, 
when we follow Jesus, we should be a Doppler effect of joy. When we follow Jesus, people should hear our joy coming. They should enjoy it when we pass by, and they should miss it when it fades off in the distance. And when you enter into a relationship with Jesus, he wants to put his joy into your heart so that you become a Doppler effect of joy for the world around you. If you've never done it before, take that step today and say, Jesus, life is hard. The world is broken. I want to try it on your terms now. Let me step into your life, into your kingdom, and live with you, live for you. Uh, and uh, put, put your joy in my heart. You can make that decision at any given point in life, no matter what's come before. Uh, don't miss the opportunity to, to do that today if you haven't already. Uh, and then let Jesus uh, put joy in uh, your heart. We're going to look at uh, the second key to strong living this week, the second biblical key to strong li living. Last week we looked at positivity, right? Think on the things of God and, and don't focus on the brokenness of this world. Um, secondly, today I want to talk about passion. Finding the passion that God has put in your heart uh, for living in this world with meaning. And, and I've, I've got six, actually different, six things I look for when I'm trying to discern my calling in this world, or if someone else has asked me, how do I know what God is calling me to? How do I know what, what God wants for me? Uh, I, I've got six uh, steps that I use, stick, uh, six things I look at to help determine uh, what a person's passion is, what they're called to, uh, what God wants them to do with their life, what they want to do with their life, uh, and... Uh, and I want to share those with you today, because I think this is really practical and really helpful. And as we live into our calling, uh, I think we just experience more and more of uh, uh, Jesus' joy. We experience more of strong life. So here are the six. Six uh, steps to finding your calling in the world, because, because determining what you are passionate for is, is going to be a, a biblical, key biblical principle to strong life. Okay, so number one, number one of the six. The first thing I look for when I'm trying to determine calling is, does it bring me joy? Does it bring me joy? John 10.10, 10, in John 10.10, 10, Jesus says, I've come to give you abundant life. I've come to give you full life. Uh, Jesus didn't come to make us miserable and guilty and full of shame. Jesus came to set us free. Jesus loves when his people go from sin to wholeness and from legalism to freedom. Uh, and, and part of what Jesus wants to do in your life is to help you experience joy by finding the thing that you are called to do and loving it while you do it. Uh, uh, there's a, a woman I knew uh, many years ago who loved working with teenagers. She volunteered in a youth group uh, I worked at, and she was great at it. She was so good with the, the youth of our church, and they loved her, and she loved them. And, I, and I, I started talking to her about the possibility that she might be called to be a full-time youth leader in a church. It seemed like that's where she belonged. I remember walking into a, uh, a Bible study at one point. She had this girl's Bible study that she was leading uh, in a building on the church campus. And I walked in, and uh, her, <laughs> her hair was spiked up with whipped cream, spiked up all over the place with whipped cream. And I said, what are you guys doing? And she looked at me innocently, and she goes, studying the Bible. Uh, and they loved her. They had so much fun with her. Well, she was, uh, she was uh, in college, and she was uh, he heading off towards career. And I remember talking to her about being a, a youth leader. And she said to me, um, I don't think so. And I said, why not? And she said, because I'm afraid it would be too much fun. And she became an accountant. And, and, 
that was in her mind. In her mind, your career, your job, had to be something that made you a little bit miserable. It couldn't be the thing that you enjoyed the most. That's not the right way to think about calling. Jesus wants you to experience joy in this life. He has designed you for a calling in this life that you're going to love doing. And so one of the things I look for when I'm trying to determine what I'm called to next or what somebody else is called to next is, does it bring you joy? Because Jesus isn't out to make you miserable in life. When I think about being a pastor, I love being a pastor. And it doesn't mean it's easy work. Uh, the, the burnout rate before uh, retirement age is still around 75%, some say higher, uh, that three out of every four pastors is going to drop out and go do something else before they retire. It's, it's stressful work. But when I look back over a lifetime of making Jesus known and guiding people in discipleship and uh, the, the, the role I've been able to play in God's kingdom, there's nothing I'd rather do. Right? For all the, the challenges that come with it, uh, I love what I'm doing. Uh, and that's, that's the kind of joy that's a sign of calling. But now secondly, uh, you're going to notice that of these six things that I'm naming, uh, they come in pairs, right? The first two are related, the three and four are related, five and six are related, and they, they stand in tension with one another. So the first one is uh, joy, but the second one is altruism, right? Your calling is something that you don't do for yourself. You actually do it for other people. Jesus calls us to take up our cross, to die to ourselves, and to follow him. So even though what you are called to is something that's probably going to bring you a lot of joy, you do it for other people, not for yourself. You do it to, to serve and to love other people. Philippians 2 says, Each of you should look uh, not to your own interest, but to the interest of others, just like Jesus did, who gave himself up even to the point of death on a cross. Right? Jesus gave his life away for others but loved us, loved the fact that he could give himself for us, right? Didn't look at the thought of saving humanity and thought, oh, if I have to save those, those wretches, right? That's, that's not the, the heart of our Lord. Uh, he, he sought to live in love uh, with joy, but he did it for the sake of the people he was saving. Uh, you and I are called to uh, live lives of service to others. We don't just follow our calling because it makes us happy. Uh, somebody who only follows their calling because it makes them happy and who doesn't care about how it affects other people is a customer. Uh, and customers are terrible in the kingdom. Uh, customers of the kingdom of God are, are terrible. And, and you, you've seen people like this uh, who treat church like it is a wine-tasting uh, event in Temecula. And they go into church and they, you know, they're like... Oh yes, this church, this, uh, this church has a bouquet of traditionalism and a sort of a, a warm aroma of hospitality and uh, sort of an, an aftertaste of uh, spirituality that I really like in a church, right? And they, they think the church is there just to make them happy. Uh, and they end up miserable with church and they make other people miserable in the process. They come, become a Doppler effect of self-indulgence. Um, what if, instead of that, when we thought about church, when we thought about worshiping together as a community, instead of thinking of it, instead of think, <laughs> this sentence is grammatically correct, but it's wordy and poorly written. You need Grammarly. Uh, if, um, if we thought of it, instead of being like a wine-tasting event, we think of it like an Easter egg hunt, okay? So imagine this, right? Pandemic comes to an end. You're back worshiping in community again. Sunday morning, you come join us. And, and as, you, as you approach church, you think uh, there are people 
that God means for me to run into this morning, and it's going to be like an Easter egg hunt. Because there's somebody that I'm going to run into at church who needs to be encouraged. And I'm going to be the voice of encouragement in their lives. I'm going to go find that person. There's somebody at uh, church this morning that needs to be invited to lunch. And I'm going to invite them to lunch. That's going to be my mission for the day. I'm going to go find them. It's like an Easter egg hunt. Or there's somebody who's visiting church who doesn't yet know Jesus. And they're coming to church because they're curious. And I'm going to be the person who enters into a conversation with that person uh, and gives them a place where they can talk about what they're curious about. Uh, it's like an Easter egg hunt. When, when we put the service back in worship service, we will find a kind of joy that Jesus means for us. So when we're looking for our calling, we're lo- when the, we're looking for what God wants for us, we look first to see, is it something that's, that brings me joy? Is it something that I'm made for, that I just love doing? But also, is it something that I do for the sake of other people and not just for myself? Number three, uh, is it something that I'm gifted for? Uh, in the Bible, there is something called spiritual gifts. Uh, it's described in 1 Corinthians 12, Romans chapter 12, and Ephesians 4. It says that God gives us gifts that we are to use for encouraging his people and for building up his kingdom. And it lays out probably 30 or 35 different gifts in the Bible. Uh, Leadership and teaching and encouragement and prophecy and healing and speaking in tongues. It lists all kinds of gifts out there. And it says that everybody who follows Jesus receives a gift of the Spirit. Part of our calling is to find out how we're made, to find out what gifts God has placed in our hearts so that we can use them well. I remember when my kids were little, they had a a little toy that was a, a cube that had holes in the side. And there were little shapes that went through all of the holes. Uh, and so there was, a, there was a moon-shaped hole, and you had to find the moon-shaped block and put the moon-shaped block through the moon-shaped hole. And then there was a star-shaped block that had to go through the star-shaped hole, and a round block that had to go through a round hole, and a square block that had to go through a square hole, and so on. And it would teach them dexterity and shapes and things like that. Well, a lot of us, in terms of calling, spend our lives trying to drive a round peg through a square hole. We don't look for the thing that we're gifted in and then pursue it. We look at the thing that maybe pays the most and then pursue it. Or the thing that our parents wanted us to do most and then we pursue it. The question is, how did God make me? Not whose expectations am I supposed to meet? Uh, and, and, And sometimes our career and our calling aren't exactly the same thing. Sometimes we go and find a career because it pays the bills. But our calling is the thing that paying the bills sets us free to do. Uh, The Apostle Paul, uh, when he would move into a city to start a church and preach the gospel, would make tents that he would sell in the marketplace. He was a tent maker. And so the Roman soldiers who would come in off the ships in the dock would have to buy a tent so that they could walk across land and camp as they went. And Paul would make tents and sell them in the marketplace. Now, that was not his calling. That was his career. That was what he did to pay the bills in order to set him free to do ministry. Sometimes our career and our calling don't overlap, but understand our calling is what we're gifted for. Our calling is that thing that we're made to do. And the secret of finding your gifting 
is uh, to ask yourself this question, uh, would I do it even if I didn't get paid for it? Uh, right? The career is something we only do because there's a paycheck in it. Right? But our calling is something we do even if we didn't get paid for it. We'd find another way to get paid so we could do this thing. Right? That's, that's how to discern uh, your calling. That's how to discern uh, what you're gifted for. Number four, though, remember these are in pairs that are in tension with one another. Number four is inadequacy. In order to find your calling, in order to find that thing that you are going to be passionate about in life, you actually have to be inadequate to do it. So number three is gifting. You have to be gifted for it, but number four is inadequacy. It has to be too big for you. And this runs throughout the whole story of the Bible over and over again. People, when they are called, are called uh, to things that are too big for them. Abraham was too old. Moses had a speech impediment. Uh, David was the youngest son from a tiny tribe in Israel called to be king. The apostle Paul was going around killing Christians before he became a Christian. It's kind of a hard introduction when that's your background. Right? Over and over again in the stories of the Bible, people are called to things that are too big for them. Because when we are inadequate for the job, we don't take credit for it. We say that must have been God. Look at the story of Gideon uh, in Judges chapter 6. Uh, Gideon is a judge over Israel. And a time comes where he's going to go to battle. And he has something like 30,000 soldiers at his disposal. And God whittles his army down to 300. That is not good military strategy. You don't work your way towards a smaller and smaller army to see how badly you can get trounced. But God said, I'm going to work you down to the, the smallest possible army. So when this is done, Israel does not say, we did this of our own strength. When this is done, we'll give credit to God. And When God calls us, God calls us to things that are too big for us. So that when it's done, we'll say, that must have been God because I couldn't have done it myself. So, uh, so here are the first four, right? God, God uh, calls us to things that are going to bring us joy in this world. But he calls us to things that serve other people. He calls us to things for which we're gifted. But he calls us to things which we are inadequate to do on our own strength. Number five, God calls us to things that the community affirms in us. Uh, look at the book of Galatians. Uh, Paul uh, writes to the Galatians, and he says, I'm absolutely not getting my gospel from any human being. I got this from Jesus. This is directly from Jesus to me, to you. I'm telling you the truth as it came from heaven. And then in Galatians chapter 2, he says, And then I went up to Jerusalem to meet with the other apostles to make sure I wasn't making a mistake. How did that, what, what? You just told me it came from Jesus. But Paul knew he needed the confirmation of the community around him to know that he was on the right track to pursuing what God had called him to. And that is true for all of us. You and I need the confirmation of the community around us to show that we are on the right track. Um, it's, kind of like, uh, it's kind of like in dating. So in dating... Uh, Sometimes uh, somebody will be in a relationship with someone else and that person's friends will all gather around, let's say, gather around her, right? Gather around her and say, he is not the right guy for you. This is not a good relationship. You should not pursue it. And, you know, she'll say, oh, you just don't know him like I do. Behind that, uh, anger management issue is just a cute, cuddly little child. Behind that, uh, 
behind that, you know, kleptomania is just a, a boy who needs to be loved, right? Um, right? The, if the friends all gather around and say, this is not the right person for you, the friends are right. The friends are correct. They have a more objective viewpoint than you do. And we need the confirmation of the community around us to say, you're on the right track. I can see you doing that, that calling. I see you doing that job. I see you doing that volunteer ministry. That's good. That, that, that matches who you are. I could see God using you in that role. If everybody around, around us says, that you're, that's not what you're called to, they're probably right. It should give us pause. Right? I might want to sing solos in church. I'm not called to. If I did, everyone around me would say, that is not your calling. You're called to sing in the car, and that's all. And that's okay. Right? We, we need the confirmation of the community to say that we are on the right path. But then, sixthly, we have to have the determination to say, even if no one approved of me, I would do it anyway. <clears throat> even if I didn't have any confirmation, I'm going to do what Jesus has called me to. Uh, and this, again, is the Apostle Paul in Galatians. This is where he starts in Galatians. He says, I received this word from Jesus Christ. I didn't receive it from any human being, and I'm not trying to please any human being. Because if I was trying to please any human being, I wouldn't be pleasing Christ. Right? I do this with a determination that says, if Jesus tells me to do it, I'm going to do it. Nobody can say no to that. Uh, there was actually a great uh, tradition in, I believe it was the, the Nazarene uh, denomination. You know, we... We rent this uh, property here from a Nazarene church. So I believe in the tradition of uh, people who have worshipped here in the past. Um, there was a, a tradition that when a person stepped forward to be a pastor, uh, when a, a man or a woman stepped forward to be a pastor, they'd go through all kinds of training, they'd go to seminary for education, they'd take all kinds of tests, and then they'd face some serious interviews with other pastors. They'd grill them, make sure they're ready, make sure they're right, make sure they understand the right things and are ready to go. And then at the end of the interviewing process, there was a final question that was asked of every candidate. And there was only one correct answer. It was less of a, a true question and more of a, a liturgy. In these, in these uh, committees that would interview the candidate, the last, candidate, last uh, question they would ask would be, what are you going to do if we tell you that you cannot be a pastor in our denomination? And the candidate was to reply, I'll preach it anyway. Even if you tell me no, I'll preach it anyway. That's the right answer. If you want to be a minister of the gospel, you have to have the determination to say, I'm going to preach the gospel even if everybody tells me I can't. And that kind of determination is essential to our calling as well. So here are the six keys that I look for in order to determine what my passion is, what God is calling me to. Uh, you, uh, you have to find joy in it. It has to be something that you're going to love doing. But you have to do it for other people. It's altruistic. You do it to serve and love other people. It's something you have to be gifted for. God has given you spiritual gifts to use in ministry. But you have to have a sense of inadequacy, that the task is a little bit too big for you, so you don't take credit when it's over. You have to have the affirmation of the community that says, I can see you doing this. You're going to be good at this. This is your calling. But you also have to have the determination to say, even if everybody says no, this is what Jesus is calling me to, I'm going to do it anyway. When those six things come together, 
you are on the track to living the kind of passion-filled life that Jesus wants for you. And that is essential to strong living. That is essential to being the people of God in a broken world. Jesus has a calling for you. And when you live into your calling, you're going to find a, a purpose and meaning in life that wasn't there before. You can step into that right now. You can say, that's exactly what I'm looking for. Jesus, I want to find a passion in this life. I want to find something to live for. Jesus, come into my life and guide me. Teach me to find the, the passion, the calling that you have for me. Um, I, I, I know somebody who, uh, for me, is sort of a, a symbol of, of calling. There's a, a guy who uh, helps lead the, the Japanese uh, congregation that worships uh, at our church here on Sunday afternoons. <clears throat> He's a friend of mine, and he was a student uh, in college uh, years ago, and I was his, his mentor when he was in college preparing for ministry. Um, he moved over here uh, to go to college and was not a Christian at the time. Uh, Japan is less than 2% uh, Christian. And uh, he became a Christian at... Uh, Citrus College, because a, an Azusa Pacific University student reached out to him and shared the gospel with him. And so he transitioned into APU and became a biblical studies major. And his parents, who were not Christians, did, didn't know what to do with that. Um, Japan is, is not very familiar with Christianity. The, the largest church in Japan today, largest Christian church in Japan, is probably uh, Lifehouse Tokyo, which is about 15 about 1,500 members. Uh, and you know you're, they're counting the band again at every service. And uh, uh, the average church in Japan is probably about 50 people, which, um, you know, which you look at uh, America with all of its giant mega churches uh, and churches on every corner. It's such a contrast. And my friend who helps out with this um, church that uh, meets here uh, at ours on, on Sunday afternoons, um, decided he wanted to go to seminary um, and um, couldn't get support for that. And, and some of you, some members of our church, have helped pay for his seminary uh, and support him along the way to becoming uh, a pastor uh, in his own right. Um, and I've talked to him about all these challenges, the challenges of uh, talking to his family that doesn't understand and um, wanting to pastor to... Uh, an ethnic group that has such a small percentage of Christians in it and that kind of looks askance at Christianity uh, and all the challenges that that entails. And when I talk to him about it, he just says, God told me to. Uh, and I can tell you honestly, he is really a happy man. That's what happens when we find our calling. And I pray that you find your calling. I pray that you turn in the direction of Jesus and ask him to guide you. And I pray that he speaks calling into your heart. Without it, we don't have strong life. And with it, we know what we're living for. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you want good and healthy life for us, that you call us to things that matter, and you call us to meaning. I pray that for anybody out there who is in a, a stage of just wandering, of feeling unsure of who they are and where they're going, speak your calling into their lives. Help them to see clearly how you've gifted them, what you've spoken to them, how you've confirmed them, where you're sending them. Help them to see what you're calling them to. 
Then give us the courage, the strength to say yes, to obey, to go where you send us, to do what you tell us to do. Jesus, by the power of your spirit, make us your missionaries to a lost world. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. Now, will you help us welcome others to real life? Share our podcast or find us on Instagram or Facebook at Real Life LA. If you'd like to become a supporter, please visit reallife.la and tap give to help us welcome everyone to real life. God bless and have a wonderful day.